Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Finding Yang Ying follows the nightmarish story of a 26-year-old Chinese student, Yang Ying Zhang, who comes to the United States to study. In her detailed and beautiful diaries, the aspiring young scientist and teacher is full of optimism, hoping to also be married and a mother someday. Within weeks of her arrival, Yang Ying disappears from campus through exclusive access to Yang Ying's family and her boyfriend. Finding Yang Ying closely follows her journey as they search to unravel the mystery of her disappearance and seek justice for their daughter while navigating a strange and foreign country. That is the backstory behind this remarkable documentary film called Finding Yang Ying, and we're joined today by the director of the film, and that's Jenny Shi. Jenny, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. How long have you been interested in making films? In other words, did was this the catalyst for you to move forward as a filmmaker telling this story? Or had you been thinking about that as something you wanted to do? So I never really thought about uh, making films until I started making Funny Ying. So I came here in 2016 for my graduate program at Northwestern University. I was a journalism student. So when Yingying first disappeared, when I learned about her disappearance, I was still a journalism student at Northwestern. So I was in school and I was in a documentary journalism class. So basically in school, I started to learn how to making documentaries with journalistic approach. Um, and then Ying story happened. And for me, from my perspective, as a journalism student, um, of course, I was curious about what happened and what was going to happen. And the second, I found out that Ying Ying and I, we actually went to the same university in China. And uh, just like any other Chinese student at that time, we were all very worried about Ying's safety and we were spreading words to trying to find her. And I was also like posting her information on my social media. So after Ying's parents arrived in the US, I went down to Urbana-Champaign area, which is not far away from Chicago where I stayed and visit them to see what I could do to help them. And then I got the idea of maybe just started documenting, you know, what was going on. And that's how everything started. You never met her? No, I never met her. I feel like watching the film that things just sort of progressed. There was I wouldn't say there was no plan, but it was just you followed your instincts in terms of how you were going to go about it, about documenting what you wanted to document. Was the family resistant? How did the family react when you started filming them? I would say at first, I didn't start filming them directly. I was uh, mostly covering all the public events, uh, like the press conference, rallies, March for Ying Ying, and the concert, things like that. And uh, I met a volunteer who's already a volunteer helping Ying's parents. And uh, he was actually a senior student at U of I at that time. So he also interested in like filmmaking, things like that. So we started film together. And at first uh, we were interviewing many Chinese students basically to see you know, how Chinese students, the community, they are reacting to the incident. And then we also realized that there were a lot of reporters, they were covering the story. 
Um, but that was really focused on the investigation, the crime and the perpetrator, especially when the police and FBI released a civilian's tape showing that Yin went into a stranger's car, a black car. So everything was about investigation. But uh, Shiling, who's the that volunteer who later became became the cinematographer and co-producer of the film, he and I, we just feel like, you know, Ying's story and her family story was somehow lost in all the media attention on investigation. So when we talked to Ying's parents about, you know, maybe filming the places Ying used to work, used to stay, they, they just feel like it's it, it's a good idea, you know, just started, started documenting. And in terms of like filming them, they was uh, kind of like hesitant at first. Um, that's understandable because their priority at that time was really to trying to find their daughter. And they, they've never like been in front of camera before. So for them, that's something really new. So for us, we didn't, you know, started filming right away. We spent a lot of time with them. I would say like in the first five months, um, the 70% of the time we spent with them was without camera. So we were still like doing work like volunteers, uh, help with translation or whenever they need to go outside um, do grocery shopping, we would drive them to the place, to the, to the shopping malls. So that was what we were doing. So I would say like there was a long process of uh, trust building and eventually the families realized that, uh, you know, it is important to document uh, what's going on. And eventually maybe it's going to be something that could be helpful to them. But at that time, to be honest, we didn't know, you know, what the film going to look like. And we didn't know what the case going to, you know, so th we didn't know what exactly happened to Ying. Whatever that instinct was in you to just continue to document what you were seeing, I'm so glad you did for a lot of reasons. Not only is there the cinematic reason, the the idea to document this story, what did happen to Ying Ying, how is this going to resolve itself? Uh, but there's this very personal part of it. It's the experience, documenting the actual experience for you, because I, it feels like what happened to her uh, publicity around her disappearance, the kind of organizing of, on the part of students and the administration to some degree seemed to be very supportive of the, well, what was going on in terms of the activities to try and find her. But there is this, this kind of element of this could have been me. Is, is that, did that sort of factor into how you were thinking of this story of what happened to Ying, it could have been someone I knew. It could have been me. Is that was that part of it? Yes. So when Ying first went missing, like my parents, they were in China. So even in China, this was a huge story. And my parents, they kept texting me, asking me, "Don't go outside." Even though I'm, I'm not even in. I wasn't even in like urban Champaign area. I was in Chicago, but they were really worried about my own safety. And when I saw Ying's parents, that immediately reminded me of my own parents. I was thinking, you know, if it happened to me, how would my parents look like? What, what was the world going to be, you know, if this happened to me? And after I saw the civilian's tape that Ying Ying got into someone's car, that also reminded me of a similar experience I had when I first came here uh, in 2016. So I went, that was me, like, doing a school assignments and that was super late. So someone just approached me and offered me a ride. And to me, 
I, I, I didn't know, you know, at that time I was so, I just, I was new to new here and I was so lonely and homesick and I really trying to, you know, navigate the foreign places. And uh, I just feel like I did a decision that I normally wouldn't do. And I got into someone's car and Ying Ying, in Ying's case, yes, she, she also got someone, got into someone's car and this is what happened to her. So yeah, yeah. to me, this actually, this could happen could have happened to me you know if the person like I, I i i who offered me a ride he 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 was a bad guy uh i wouldn't maybe i you know you are not talking to me today right it, it could happen to me so i think yeah. for me being an international student um this is also an important perspective i want to bring in into this film and that's why um, I ended up, you know, sort of being a character or a component yeah. of the film. Right. Yeah. You're you're narrating. You're you're our guide in so many ways in the film of telling the story. Well, I, I do want to go back to the actual story. What Ying Ying? She came here from China. What what uh, community did she come from in China? By the way, you go back to China to spend time with her parents, which gives us another whole perspective. And it's an obvious um, example of the trust they had of you because you see the parents throughout this film in, in some very emotional, very raw moments, which anyone would be going through, but you you were there to document it. But let's talk about where Ying Ying came from and why her story resonates and and how heartbreaking it really, you know, this story is. So where did she come from? Yeah, so she grew up um, from, she grew up in a city called Nanping, um, in Fujian province in China. And uh, that city, I would say like Ying Ying, she actually grew up in a humble family. So Ying's mom, she basically stay at home um, taking care of her two children. And Ying's father, he's working as a truck driver. Um, and Ying's brother, he didn't even finish his middle school. Um, he was basically out there uh, taking on some gigs or part-time jobs. And Ying Ying, she was uh, quite different from the rest of the family. She got into the top university in China. Uh, Peking University, it's actually like Harvard in the, in the US. So that was really uh, extraordinary to her. And also that's something really big to the family. And then she was pursuing a PhD um, degree at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And her, her goal was actually after, you know, finish her PhD degree, she wanted to go back to China and to support her family. And when I went back to China in 2018 and spent time with these parents, um, because in 2017, when they first came to the US, they were in deep grief and they were so worried about Ying herself. And meanwhile, they, because they were in the US, a country that they were not familiar with, they were very afraid of anything that could jeopardize the trial or investigation, things like that. So they, they are really careful about their image, you know, in public and they always behave themselves. But in China, they were more relaxed. And in the film, you would see a lot of intimate moments between Ying's parents and me. I would say like in China, they were really at home and there were a lot of uh, like families, family conflicts caused by the loss of Ying Ying that we never see, you know, here in the US. And sometimes Ying's mom, uh, like, because I was around and Ying's mom, she would say, you really look like her, you really, really look like Ying Ying. And uh, I had a mixed feeling because I feel like, you know, on the one hand, Ying's mom, she was actually happy, you know, to see me. 
But on the other hand, I just feel like uh, it's it's just like reminding her that her daughter is gone and uh, there's someone else like being here. So I had a mixed feeling. And Ying's father, sometimes he would ask me to turn off the camera and he wanted to have some like one-on-one -on -one conversation with me talking about his thoughts um, after Ying disappeared. And uh, basically he was just talking about, he didn't really know what to do um, even after the trial, after the case closed. And during that time, because the trial was delayed, the family, they were also really worried about whether um, the case is going to be a cold case, things like that. And they were not familiar with the US criminal justice system. That was totally new to them. And also the Chinese culture and the American culture are so different. So for them, you know, they on the one hand, they are already struggling with, you know, the case about their daughter. On the top of that, they had to deal with the cultural differences and language barriers. And in their family, it's only Ying's uh, boyfriend. He speaks English. And the rest of the family, they don't know English. And Ying's mom, she don't even read Chinese. So it's so difficult for the whole family to going through this journey. And for me as a filmmaker, making fun in Ying Ying, we really want to create that sense of intimacy and really to put the audience in the shoes of Ying's family to really see what kind of journey and what kind of hardship they've gone through in the past few years. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Jenny Shi, and she is the director of this, as I said, remarkable documentary film called Finding Ying Ying. It is out today. So the film is going to be released actually December the 11th. And if you wanted to, you know, check out what theaters are available, um, you can go to our website, findingying.com. Right, findingying.com. And there's also a link, findingying.com backslash see the film. So that'll actually take you to where you can see it. There's a Facebook, Finding Yingying. Ying. There's a Twitter account, Finding Yingying Ying Film. And as well as Instagram, Ying Ying Film as well on Instagram. So there are different ways in which you can keep track of all those things. Uh, and you are working with Cartoon Quinn, which is the uh, outfit out of uh, Chicago, Gordon Quinn and Steve James. And those people are amazing. So congratulations on working with them. And, and, and they're, they're, they produce some amazing films. Uh, I remember having uh, being on for Minding the Gap, which was a fantastic documentary. So it's a great outfit. So congratulations. As we watch the family, because it's such an important part, they, they are uh, throughout the film, they, they keep holding out hope that they're going to find her. They're going to, and even if they, you know, have in some ways resigned to the idea that she may have been murdered, they want to bring her home. And this, this idea, which is really this kind of, what we were, you were talking about earlier, this cultural difference between the U.S. and China, the way that they, the sort of the, the perceptions of each other, those play into it. Uh, and it's an important part of the, the film. It's an important part of telling the story. And it's an important part of sort of the emotional core of the film, of, you know, this, this idea that not only was she their daughter, but she also represented their hope and their dreams for a future, not only for her, but for them as a family. So not only is this tragic beyond words on just the level of that she was murdered, but also the everything else, the whole, their whole world essentially is imploding. You want, want to talk a little bit about just that part of it? That's so heartbreaking. 
I would say,、um, you know, finding Ying Ying, we didn't, we we don't want the audience just to see it as a Chinese girl who went missing. I think the universal, there are a lot of universal emotions inside that. If you are a parent, you could probably think about what if this happened to your own child. And for us as filmmaker, we also wanted to introduce Ying Ying and her family to English-speaking audience, even though you know the main characters they are Chinese. And actually, you know,、um, in the past few months, we have、uh, film screenings and the festivals. I got a lot of messages and also emails from audience、um, from different background.、Um, they they would talk to me saying that you know they basically cry. They were crying throughout the whole time when they were watching the film. Watching the film, you know, on the one hand, they they just think about Yingying herself. She was such a brilliant girl, extraordinary, right? And she's almost the hope of the whole family. And she's, you know, after she finished the PhD degree, she's gonna bring more hope to their parents、uh, and the, everyone around her. And for the family, I I think I had a very like strong feeling about it because I grew up、uh, in a Chinese culture in a Chinese family. It's very normal and typical that the parents they basically provide whatever they could provide to their own. Child and just to you know fight for a bright future for their own child and me growing up in that environment. Every time I I like for this film I I I couldn't really I dare not to share this film to my parents because I just didn't want them to you know think about me being in the U.S.、Um, similar experience like similar to Ying Ying being in the U.S. and I would say like they would be constantly worrying about my own safety. And this film, I'm just so glad that you know the audience after they watched the film, they didn't really focus on the crime or interested in the perpetrator.、Um, many of the audience, they said, you know, it's a great film, beautiful film about Ying Ying, about、yeah. Ying herself, and also about her family. And for me, I think that's very, very important. I thank you for for that perspective, which is true, which is true about the film, is there are a multiple Interpretations of the title "Finding Yingying" in the film, and I think, as you said, I think the most important thing、uh, is to see her as a person who was、uh, very dedicated to what she wanted to do with her life. She seemed to, as she says at the beginning of the film, in one of her diary entries, it's that I want to continue to learn. I want to learn. I want to go back to school, even though she got through her graduate. Degree, right? I have that right. She wanted to continue her research, and she was work. She was working on、uh, climate change issues. She was working on how crop yields. She was, and、uh, you know, it's that you know what would have happened. You know, had had she been able, had she lived, and、uh, and it is about her. And it, we see it through her parents. We see it through her boyfriend. To some degree, we see it through her brother. We see it through where she came from. And you know, I and one of the other things about it that I would have not thought about until I saw this, which is how important Chinese students have become in the United States in our educational system. That was another thing that sort of hadn't dawned on me because of students coming from overseas, they pay the full freight for going to school, which is this whole another level of how much of a contribution is now coming from outside the United States to keeping our So-called world-class educational system、um, functioning. So there's a lot of things in the film that are 
and that brings into the to play the the Chinese government pressure bear, brought to bear on the on the case, which is understandable and completely justifiable. If this was happening in China, the United States would be doing basically the same thing. We need justice. We do, you know we want to see justice done. Before I let you go, I just want to just sort of what it what is this about this experience for you as a as a person and also as a filmmaker? But what has been the impact of this? project on you yeah i would say as a first-time filmmaker um at first it was very difficult for me to move forward um in different in different levels at first uh, i would say like as a journalism student i was constantly asking myself a lot of ethical questions um because this film we actually captured a lot of um moments that the family they were in deep grief and I was thinking about, at first, I was thinking about whether I was exploiting my own relationship with Zing's parents and try to capture certain scenes or moments I wanted for the film. But that's a question I've been always um, asking myself. And I also talked to different filmmakers and also Gordon Quinn at Cartoon Quinn Films about how to navigate um, these ethical dilemmas. And he gave me a lot of great suggestions. And for me, also, like making this film, if it's just me, I couldn't have you know finished this film. I actually met a lot of great mentors um, and a lot of supporters, helpers um, along my way. For example, my former professor at Northwestern University, his name is Brent Huffman. So he actually, after I graduated, he came on board as one of the producers. And I also met Diane Kwan, the producer of Money in the Gap. Um, she was so nice. And I feel like in the past three years, she was almost like like my mom, really taking care of me, not just as a filmmaker she was she's working with, but really, you know, a Chinese girl, you know, navigating a, a foreign country. And she she she's she's just so nice and taking care of me. And I have so many great experience um for with the rest of the team and also just the people as a, I, I would say like as a female filmmaker of color, uh like in this industry, we are right now we are talking so much about representation and who has the right to tell the story. And I just feel like I'm, I just feel like I'm very lucky uh, because I'm in Chicago and I have Kartanko around and a lot of people, they were just supporting me and I got into the Diverse Voices in Docs uh, program. Uh, that's a program really help bring finding in to a next level. That's where I learned how to write proposals, how to be confident and, confident and to pitch the projects to potential investors, uh, funders, and distributors. And I myself, um, personally, being an international student, uh, graduated, navigate my life here, and also thinking about Ying's experience and Ying's parents' experience, I started to think about my own relationship with my own parents. Because for me, I didn't really talk too much about my life and experience in the US because I, I just don't want I didn't want my parents to worry about myself. And sometimes, I don't know, it's also my personality. Um, I didn't really, you know, talk too much to my parents. Um, but I just feel like, you know, actually parents, they really wanted to know, you know, their own kid, what, what they are doing. And especially in a foreign country, I can definitely think about how worried they are. Sometimes I would just feel like, why, why are you like keep texting me asking about my safety? You know, it's a little bit annoying. Sometimes I, I would think like that. But right now, 
I somehow, you know, understand why they are so worried about me. And I'm you know, really looking forward to going back to visit them. I've been here, I think the last time when I went back was like two years ago. And I was planning to go back like this year. But because of COVID, I had to change my plan. So hopefully next year I can um, go back to reunite with my um, parents. And uh, I also have a little brother. So that's something similar to Yingying because she also has a brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's terrific work. It's terrific. Well done. You mentioned Gordon Quinn. Also, I know Sheila Nevins has come aboard as an executive producer, and she's one of the legendary people in documentary filmmaking. And this has also been released under MTV documentaries. So a lot of great things are have come from this project. You, you, you followed your instinct. You started in, I'm sure, in a very small way, but you realized that there was more to this. And you, uh, my congratulations to you for doing that. Continue to do that. I think that's served you well. And I hope that you find another story that is of interest and you want to pursue it. And I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Mike. And thank you for spreading the word. And we are really excited about the virtual theatrical release. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, I just want to say one last time, I, the, the film is called Finding Yinging, and we have been talking with the director of the film. That would be Jenny Shi. Jenny, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music